Welcome to another episode of How We Got Here, a podcast from Nondoc Media and FKG Consulting. I'm Trace Savage, Editor-in-Chief of Nondoc.com, a responsible public forum in Oklahoma City that covers the state and other issues as well. Uh, this week, I've been at the state capitol with the two gentlemen joining me here, Brian Freed and Spencer Gwynn of FKG. Guys, how are you feeling? Well, I've been at the Capitol, so I feel like I've just left Woodstock or something like that, because that's kind of the atmosphere over the Capitol right now. Yeah, it's kind of a pep rally almost at this point. Yeah, I feel like I should probably note that we are recording this uh, late Thursday, um, ahead of uh, action that will be taken Friday uh, in, in the legislature. And uh, this is the first time in three days that I've gotten out of the building before sundown, so I'm pretty excited by the brightness outside. Uh, it's been a long day. There's been uh, thousands and thousands of educators at the Capitol since Monday, April 2nd, uh, as part of the OklaEd walkout uh, to uh, sort of protest uh, poor school conditions and uh, education funding cuts over years. Um, and it's been, it's been packed and busy. We're going to kind of jump back into the history of how we got here over the past um, probably year and a half. Uh, but first, gentlemen, what, what would you, how would you sum up the experience uh, in the Capitol this week so far? Go ahead, it, it is a, it is a, a very strange uh, atmosphere inside the Capitol. It's a, if you're an educator, uh, I think it is a festive atmosphere. Uh, it's, it's surprising to me. I did not think that on Thursday that it would, the rally would be as strong as it's been all week long. It doesn't feel like that the momentum is dying down in any way, shape, or form. And so I think what all of us are, are trying to grapple with is, is you know, how this ends. But uh, the, the Capitol is uh, in, a, in a manner that I have never really ever seen it before. Uh, you, it is very difficult to get into the Capitol. They have reached capacity multiple times this week. You have highway patrol monitoring every level, the fifth floor. Uh, uh, is basically almost off limits. Uh, a certain amount of people can, can get to the fifth floor and that's it. Uh, they're all being con controlled by the highway patrol. The lobby areas when the Senate is in session and the House is in session are off limits. So basically, if you are trying to get anything accomplished at the Capitol this week that does not involve an education funding package, you're out of luck. Yeah, I, would, I wouldn't disagree with anything Brian had to say. I, I remember a time early early in my career in the mid 90s late 90s when there was a teacher appreciation day at the capitol due to a pay raise that that happened it was a one-day teacher appreciation day um, there were a number of teachers there uh, an agreement was already in place uh, between amongst the governor the speaker of the house uh, the house representatives the the state senate um, i don't recall it being as as active the de the capital definitely was not as active uh, then as it as it is now the majority of the festivities were outside of the capital and um uh that but 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 the most the biggest difference between that event and i do not recall what year it was i want to say 96 97 somewhere around there um the the biggest difference is is that the um uh the 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 attitude was was a completely uh different situation there were some people who were frustrated about uh, education funding but they were very appreciative of the pay raise that was approved by the legislature and and was prepared to be signed by the governor at that point in time um, the teachers in this situation 
have already received and the governor legislature's passed the governor signed a six thousand dollar teacher pay raise and the move and the pivot off of that was um okay now what about the classroom what's next um what's the next piece of revenue that you're going to pass to now take care of my desks to now take care of my textbooks um, so on and so forth. I mean, we could go on down the line. And, and so I think the biggest difference in, in thinking back to that experience in the 90s to, to this experience now is that the attitude and the um, um, approach uh, was, was, just, was just vastly different. Yeah, and, and talking to uh, longtime Capitol uh, insiders this week, the, the events that they point to that are comparable to this week are House Bill 1017, which uh, for our listeners, if you'll go back to our first episode of how we got here, we talked a lot about House Bill 1017, uh, but that was back in 1990, and that was, uh, that was a time that was uh, brought all the teachers out again. Uh, the other one that was referenced to me was uh, 1978. Uh, Langston University was facing potential closure, and the students of Langston kind of took over the house house uh, lounge and chamber and uh, blocked off the entrances and all those type of things. So those are the those are the things that uh, long time capital sources uh, 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 point to as the only instances they can um, uh, remember that are comparable to this. Well, we're going to um, do a little more recent history, uh, we're going to take you back in time um, to 2016, a long time ago. Uh, we had a different president, and we had a state question on the 2016 ballot here in Oklahoma, state question 779, that was commonly known as the penny sales tax for education. And it would have been a statewide increase in the sales tax by one cent. Uh, one cent for the kids was sort of uh, the mantra of it. Uh, and for a long time, it looked like because the Republican legislature hadn't really done anything on teacher pay in a decade or so, um, and hadn't and had had years of cuts and shortfalls and things of that nature, it looked like that was really going to drive the 2016 uh, ballot here, and and you know people anticipated it winning. It wound up losing. Handily, I think it. What were the final numbers, Brian? Yeah, I mean, it was an overwhelming defeat. Uh, it was a 60 40 uh, percentage wise uh, race, and uh, it lost by roughly 250,000 votes, which is a, a lot of votes. Uh, so I think that to me, that's a little bit of the story. I think we hear all of the time that the people of Oklahoma are demanding uh, these education. Uh, money's going into education and paying teachers more. And when you do polls, uh, every poll that I've ever seen in my lifetime is a very positive to support education poll. But Oklahomans do not have a great history of actually, when they go to the ballot box, uh, actually backing up uh, that sentiment. And when when presented with some type of a package, uh, it is a, uh, we have, the history tells us in, in 2016 that we're just talking about right here, uh, it was a 60-40 defeat on a, on a bill, uh, state question, I'm sorry, that was the most well-funded state question, uh, far and away uh, outspent the no campaign, and this was something that was polling in the 60s, just you know, uh, a month or two before the actual election. There was another, and Spencer may remember the exact year, but this is really dating ourselves going back into uh, back into the maybe the mid 2000s. There was a state question 
744, I believe, is the number. In 2010, yeah, 2010. that would have mandated that education be funded at a per pupil average of surrounding states. Uh, and you know how much that got at the ballot? It was a massive defeat. 18.6% of voters voted yeah. to fund education uh, at the average of the per pupil yeah, funding. You, you know, but I think you have to kind of step back from that, honestly, and ask yourself the question, is that a lack of support from the public for education and for teachers specifically, or is it more um, of a statement about Oklahoma's views of taxation? And and I think that, that the state question was at 790, 779. 779, yeah, 779 um, in, in 2016. I, I, I don't think, and I don't think the consensus amongst money legislators was that that was a, a rebuke of uh, teacher pay raises. Right, there were right. some there were some other issues that were addressed in that state question um, that were both sides. One side argued that there was more funding to the higher education system. The other side argued that there wasn't quite as much as as the other side was arguing, but there was still uh, money going to the higher education system, and that that was that was the 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 pushback. But that the people still wanted pay raise for teachers. So how do we get... And that's how we began the 2017 legislative session. Right, exactly. And so that's how do we get from state question 779 not passing in 2016. What was the last 16 months like? I was talking a little bit before we started this about the idea that actually about a third of the lawmakers up there right now uh, have been there uh, only uh, one term. So about 16 months at this point. And so a lot of those lawmakers came in on that same question or same ballot that state question 779 was on and they felt largely the freshman caucus uh they created their own thing felt that they had sort of a mandate from their districts democrat and republican um to go in and, and actually accomplish something and 2017 uh was the year of not accomplishing anything so let's talk well, about but, how that happened but but they i mean there's there's no question that there was support for a teacher pay raise Right. The question is, was the teacher or what, what, what was the public opposed to a tax increase in the one cent sales tax that was proposed in state question 779? They were at the end of that campaign for right. whatever reason. But when they started that, I know right. that they did polling right. that found that the sales tax was actually the most favorable tax uh, that it, it publicly that the, the people would potentially want. So it's a it's a it's a it's a definite question. How do we? What happened in 2017? Let's. I don't know if I can even remember. Is it Thursday yet? What month is it? Uh, Groundhog Groundhog Day sums up 2017 yeah. pretty yeah. much for the most okay. part. I mean, and what do you mean absolutely. by that? The fact that we kept that we kept seeing vote after vote after vote on the same iteration of a package that just didn't really get over that final 75% hump? Well, if you recall, uh, you know, uh, we talked a little bit about this, I think, in our first uh, uh, podcast. But in 2017, we ended, and the revenue-raising measure that they passed was the cigarette fee that the Supreme Court ended up kicking out. Once the Supreme Court kicked that out, um, what it meant was they were able to pass the cigarette fee with a simple majority by not calling it a tax. So when they had to come back in and get 75%, it empowered the House Democrats, and it empowered the House Democrats to then add their ideas to to this. So we have gone through uh, multiple special sessions, multiple revenue-raising votes, multiple uh, uh, plans to get to the point we are today. And 
I do want to say something though, because you and Spencer were talking about something that I wanted to to interject. I think that what I find fascinating is is that the sentiment at the Capitol building right now, and the sentiment amongst the public is, is that the legislature are incompetent because they cannot do an education package to fund our schools. Yet when the people are presented with opportunities to do that very same thing, as we have just stated, they vote them down for the same reason why this is controversial in the legislature. It's not controversial to fund education. It's not controversial to do teacher pay raises. (laughs) Pretty much everybody agrees in that. It's how you pay for it. That's where the controversy comes into play. And so that that to me is the fascinating part because uh, a lot of these legislators who uh, are feeling the pressure and feeling the heat, they not only are being required to go out and and pass a revenue raising measure, but unlike the ballot measures, they, not, they, they have to get a 75% threshold to do that. And that is an incredible obstacle to overcome. The fact that they even got a 75% through the House and Senate in a, in a uh, Republican uh, legislature is, is absolutely historic and mind-boggling. And it, it, it gets to the, to the point where that happened and we're still having the strike. Yeah, so let's go over what what exactly happened. So we get through 2017, uh, come back after the cigarette fees thrown out. There's a vote on a a plan called Plan A Plus that would have provided for a $3,000 teacher pay raise, then a $2,000 pay raise the next year, then a $1,000 pay raise the year after that. Um, It had uh, GPT, gross production tax on on oil and gas, the incentive rate going from two to four on, uh, on new wells. Um, then it had a uh, $1.50 cigarette tax. It had a six cent fuel uh, tax for both gas and diesel. And I think there were a couple other little components of that as well. Uh, and that got really close to, to reaching that 76 votes needed in the House. It felt like five short. I think it got I think 71. It and so that was really interesting because that was a lot of pressure, right? And at the time, the narrative was about health care. It was all about how do we fill the health care hole um, Medicaid rates have already been cut, all these sorts of things. Healthcare was the main component of it. It had the teacher pay in there as well. Um, it, it had some other things in there, and it got very close. So that failed. So then um, another special session happens. The, the governor has vetoed the, the additional cuts budget, calls back in for another special session. Merry Christmas. Y'all start stringing up lights. Here we are. Uh, we're, we're in special session. It starts back in late January, or did they, or did they wait until they waited until normal session was supposed to kick off? And so, for the last two months, uh, the lawmakers on the House and the Senate floor are constantly gaveling in of one and out of the other to try to deal with bills that are in special session. And they dealt with the Step Up Oklahoma plan, which, again, plugging our podcast, you can go back and listen to our um, second podcast. Yeah. I think it was our second one about the vote. Uh, it was ahead of the vote. Um, we recorded it and released it that morning. That vote got even fewer votes, uh, even though it was now it included um, a bunch of reforms. It included some income tax stuff, which I think was probably actually part of what killed that. I, I, I don't, people I don't didn't think really that was like, actually in it. It end. wasn't in that bill, yeah. but they were. it was a separate bill. Yeah, and yeah, that's, that's true. What, that's true. Uh, Democrats and, and a lot of people were not pleased with that part. But this was actually now 4% on all wells. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was going to take back some existing wells that were at the 2% level, going to bump those to 4 as well. Uh, then it had the $1.50 cigarette, had the 6-cent gas tax, 6-cent diesel tax. 
and like I said, the income tax stuff and a couple other things with it. That goes down. And that was that package was supported by the oil and gas industry. So that would have been the first package that, uh, in fairness, anybody who was the on the receiving end of a tax increase actually supported. Any of those people you rattled off. And, so, and at that point in time, oil and gas came out and supported the step-up package. And the Oklahoma Education Association, the state's te- uh, largest teachers association, uh, was, was in of favor that of that as yeah. well. They were a big part of it. There was a $5,000 teacher pay raise involved in that. Um, and they were they were supportive of that, as was the Public Employees Association. That vote held open in the House uh, till dang near midnight. And uh, the OEA was part of a press conference calling on Democrats, calling on people to come back and vote for this, et cetera, et cetera. So that goes down. Uh, the speaker and other people say, well, this is it. That was our one chance, blah, blah, blah. Fast forward a few weeks, talk of this teacher walkout, a.k.a. strike, which is not a strike because they're going to make up the days at the end of the school year. Teacher walkout starts getting thrown around there. I think it's a middle school teacher in Stillwater who really started to push it in the wake of the West Virginia uh, teacher uh, walkout or strike. I can't remember which one theirs is. Uh, and so then that gained some momentum. And then OEA kind of came out with a plan uh, that was now calling for a $10,000 teacher pay raise over three years, 6000 in the first year, 2000 in the subsequent years, wanted some more funding for classrooms, uh, uh, support staff, et cetera, et cetera. So that happens. The House of Representatives uh, Republican leadership comes out with sort of a bizarre thing with the pup, the professional educators of Oklahoma or the professional Oklahoma educators, uh, which was like the six and sixty or the sixty and six. Sixty and six. The I, si- I, don't, I don't know. Yeah. The si- anyway, um, and you know that was sort of weird. There was a chart where you were supposed to read one item to the right and then go down, and you'd figure out what you would make in twenty years and spin around three <clears> times, and you'd know. Uh, that didn't get much traction. And then all of a sudden we hear some murmurings and we hear that over a weekend that Democrats are working with some Republicans to come up with an agreement to head off or to pass before the April 2nd walkout date. And so what happened was you have a, and I have a copy of it, there's a document uh, that was signed by three members, three House members of the Democratic caucus and one House member of the Republican caucus that was signed that was agreed upon. And that included, there were two documents. The first one included capital gains. The second one did not, is my understanding. Um, but in the second document, it lists what they would be acceptable. And the first thing on the list is 5% GPT and on new wells, right? And then a dollar cigarette tax. So that's gone down from $1.50 to a dollar. And then a $0.03 gas tax. So that goes from $0.06 cents to 3 And then a $0.06 cents diesel tax. So I say all that is the the interesting thing is if, if the old if the old adage is that you tax things you don't want and you incentivize things you do want between the two packages that almost passed previously and the one that was created uh, a couple weeks ago, you had the the uh, gross production tax go up to five, which is what Democrats had said they would always support, and then you have the tobacco tax drop from a dollar fifty to a dollar. Uh, in in converse, so that provided for an aggregate sixty one hundred dollar pay raise for teachers um, across the state of Oklahoma, and as well as I think a twelve hundred and fifty dollar support staff raise, a twenty five hundred dollar public employees raise, and about fifty one million I think back into the formula for the reline item textbooks 
and uh, did some other th you know formula stuff uh, as well. So that passes the House last Monday, right? And everybody's there till all sorts of time. It's a historic vote. Um, Tuesday, people start wondering where the OEA is on this position. They sort of took a nebulous position Monday night, saying, well, you know, this might be a start, but it's not what we want, and we want what we want. Um, so Tuesday, uh, numerous lawmakers, I mean, literally, literally a dozen lawmakers reaching out, talking to me about how they can't believe that this just passed the House, that no one would have thought it was going to pass, and the OEA wasn't on board with it. Um, and so then there was a question of whether it could still pass the Senate. It did that last Wednesday. And there's a whole thing about hotel motel taxes getting pulled out and all that agreement. But at the end of the day, the state education budget bill, House Bill 3705, I think that was it, um, House Bill 3705 was passed and they met the April 1 statutory deadline for funding education for the first time in state history that was actually signed by the governor. So this is a large increase in the education budget, et cetera, et cetera. I'm going to turn it over to one of you guys. How did we go from that on uh, Thursday or Wednesday night of last week to um, thousands and thousands and thousands of, of uh, educators up there? Um, less than a week later. Less than a week later, school out uh, in many of the districts, the state's largest districts, uh, no school, and we're stay until we get what we want. Well, I think you did a great job of summarizing how we got to this point and where we are. One of the pieces that's important to point out to, to, to point out where we are at this point in time, this of all of the package, which I find a little bit ironic because the, the Democrat caucus in the House has been the group that has been holding out for the right type of revenue package. They're the ones who've been talking about gross production tax over and over and over and over again. And the, they, they finally did win on that, and they got 5% gross reduction tax on all wells, uh, retroactively and, and new wells. And so this is an interesting situation because uh, Democrats are now talking about how there's not enough funding remaining for f f further education funding. But it, this is the smallest package of any of the revenue packages that they have ever voted on. This package is a total of about $475 million, somewhere around then. If you still include the hotel motel, which it, it may not even be. But could, I could, think it was 447 with hotel motel in it. So, so $40 million it, worth. And the A-plus plan, the step-up plans, those were closer to uh, almost $800 million plans. And so I find it, it, it is ironic to me that the, uh, you know, if you are at the Capitol right now, if you are seeing the signs, if you're seeing the energy, there is no question that the House Democrat Caucus has done an excellent job of getting their messaging out to the teachers and to OEA because they are basically taking Democrat message, they're putting on their signs, they're out there saying it. But it was the Democrats who insisted on a smaller package. 
And and what did we end up cutting when it's all said and done? We cut the cigarette tax from a dollar fifty to a dollar and left out uh, smokeless uh, tobacco products, right. which remove, is the most removed the Copenhagen out of it. Yeah, yeah, and, and they did all that. Um, uh, we, six cent we, gas we, yeah, tax to three cents. Took six cents to three cents on the on the gasoline tax. So it's really interesting because uh, all of this hand wrangling that's going up there right now. Had they passed an eight hundred million dollar package, there might be some more money left to put back into education. But we didn't. We passed a. a a four hundred and uh, something million dollar package, which which also spent it immediately on the teacher raises that were higher than all of those other packages. So you have all that scenario, you have all these other machinations going on, and I think and through you know not really through any fault of anybody. If you're a if you're a middle school teacher in Lawton, Oklahoma, um, you're not following this beat by beat, blow by blow, you're just feeling like, hey, I haven't seen anything new on my paycheck. I'm here, it's not funded fully. I don't believe the legislature anyway. They don't have a very good approval rating. And so I heard somebody say it's not even fully funded. Well, hell yeah, I'm going up there and we're gonna try to get some attention paid to what my issues are because no one's been paying attention to them in a decade. And that's where the teachers are coming from. So I think there's a lot of justified frustration and anger in that regard and I also think there's been some missteps in terms of Republican leadership from every level in how do you message this actual victory for education the largest teacher raise in state history um, and, and, and the achievement of of uh, you know raising the gross production tax which a lot of educators said yeah we need to take that to to five we need to take that to seven et cetera et cetera that victory message never really got out and it sort of uh, the only time anybody tried to put it out last week in my knowledge was when governor fallon said oh i hope they come up here and thank the lawmakers on monday and everybody rolled their eyes at that in the public but but before she had a chance to do that the goalposts were already moved and and the the 440 million dollar package became well now we need 440 million dollar package plus this plus this and plus this and that's where we are today their objective all along clearly was to get the first piece of it and then to go and push on the other pieces that they wanted, moving the goalposts the whole time. And, and I'll, I'm going to just be... Uh, and, and that's not a partisan statement, by the way. I mean, that's just a fact of the matter. The fascination by the House Democrat Caucus specifically around the 5% gross production tax on oil and gas is a fascinating fascination, actually. Yeah, because, I mean, I think that's the point is, is that uh, it's fine if you want to debate about 5% gross reduction tax and have that kind of conversation. But essentially, the House Democrat Caucus was willing to cut the package in half almost right. in order to get 5% gross reduction tax. And as a matter of fact, uh, you know, most people overwhelmingly have supported a $1.50 cigarette tax. Uh, the people of Oklahoma support a $1.50 cigarette tax. Why that got trimmed down to a dollar and, and we trimmed the, the, the type of stuff that could be taxed, I have no idea. Well, I am sitting in a room with two lobbyists, so I'm sure you have some sort of idea. You don't have tobacco clients. No. No, not but at all. But you get the idea that, you know, when you see that, it means there were people who were beholden to trying to take it to 75 cents or a dollar, right? I mean, and in both parties. In both parties. I think that that, that to me is the the most fascinating is that both parties, but what I was going to say really quick, and I'm just going to be blunt about this, there's a distinction, and we need to make sure we make this distinction. You have the teachers of the state of Oklahoma, and you have the Oklahoma Education Association. 
there are different factions within the teacher uh, community with their associations. The Oklahoma Education Association has always been considered a more left-leaning organization that Democrats have a much greater, it's a constituency group of the Democrats, let's you know, be frank about it. And the, the, uh, the groups that essentially were taxed in these packages, who they're going after, businesses and all those type of things, these are Republican constituency groups. Right. So I'm gonna get back and I'm gonna pose your question again. How did the Republican legislature upset incredibly upset their constituency base by going and raising taxes on them to give to a group who has not historically been their their, their base and oh by the way give them the biggest pay raise in state history and still be considered incompetent and they aren't for education and they haven't done anything for anyone that to me is the amazing part of what you alluded to earlier which is really a poor messaging job that has has happened because the fact that what I just spelled out is 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 the case today is is quite mind-boggling that this is where we are. And I know there's a lot of feeling that you know to play Mon- and this is of lawmakers Monday morning quarterbacking themselves. That's a heck of a way to verb a noun. But uh, <laughs> the this is from from law- that there is a a desire or a wish of man we should have we should have done that vote this week. We should have had the big vote this week, and that would have resolved it. Now, you do run a risk of Democrats maybe playing some more hijinks with it or something like that, which is what they've been doing this whole week. I think uh, it was twofold. I think they're, they're, this is what their objective was. They had a deal. They didn't want to have to sleep on it and let everybody go back to their districts and potentially lose votes because there was a very uh, there were still people that didn't think they could ever get to uh, 76 votes in the House of Representatives. That that was one factor. Mm-hmm. But the other factor, and this is the factor that uh, you know I, I can't tell you who is to blame for this or where I put responsibility. But the mistaken um, thought process that the passage of this bill was going to keep the teachers from coming to the Capitol on Monday was one of the biggest missteps in all of this because uh, clearly what had happened was is this this movement had grown and teachers began to look forward to their opportunity to come to the Capitol and voice their opinion. And that's so that was going to happen. And what's what we've watched happen this week over the last four days in this past week is teachers are here. They got a significant pay raise, a whole lot of money. They raised taxes to do it. A, a, a historic effort occurred to get them where they are right now, but they didn't get to kind of witness that victory. They didn't get to see it in person. And so I think what you're seeing now is educators are sitting there saying, I want to I want to see the fruits of my labor. I want to see all of the effort that I've put forward this week, because honestly, we talked about this and we were, were half joking, but not really. The atmosphere out there outside the Capitol and inside the Capitol, it's either like a... Um, college football tailgating scene or uh or, or something along those lines because it State is change. festive <laughs> uh, they're chanting people are tailgating outside there are food trucks there's some very creative bands. signs it's very way, very very creative, creative signs so what this national tells media you, national, national media, media. Absolutely. This, is, this has been a national story what this tells you is is that the people of uh 
that the teachers have been looking forward to this opportunity to come and voice their frustration. And and of all of the the things that I think is is uh, worthy of criticism, it's that the, that lawmakers did not recognize that they needed that. I think there's one other thing that we we didn't touch on that is that is very important to um, to to touch on um, in in the course of all that, and that is dun dun dun, Doctor No. And Doctor yeah. No entered the scene. I don't remember what day it was. Goodness, I should have. It was. About it that. was. Uh, it was Wednesday. Yeah. It was Wednesday because he and, did it about an hour before the Senate last. Uh, so last Wednesday. Yeah. In March, um, before the and, Senate voted on this big and, package. And for those of you who are not familiar with Doctor No, that's a bit of an inside name. That's former U.S. Senator Tom Coburn entered the scene of the Capitol the day before, if I remember correctly, the state Senate voted on the, the pay raise. Same day, same day. Same day. Yeah. And he announced essentially a, a group of uh, grassroots individuals across the state. Uh, what is it? Taxpayers, okay, taxpayers, United, United something, something like, like that. that. Yeah. And essentially the objective of this group is to recruit candidates, not against the Democrats, but against the Republicans, the rhinos, the, the rhinos, as they called them, Republican are, in name only, who are voting for this tax package, and to announce an initiative to use the state's constitution and work to gain the signatures necessary for a veto referendum on this package, which I believe they have to collect around forty-five thousand signatures, and if so, the tax package that all these legislators voted upon and passed, uh, collect that they collect that that number of signatures. It actually kicks to the ballot in November where the voters themselves will vote on the tax package. And if the voters vote it down, it's repealed. V- veto referendum is uh, an interesting topic. We actually touched on this back on our first podcast as well because after House Bill 1017 passed back in 1990, a veto referendum was put forth on the ballot 10, to repeal 1017. It was defeated, so 1017 went into effect. But what uh, Senator Coburn has announced is the exact same effort here. And as Spencer just uh, just stated, if if this veto referendum were to be successful, then all of this, this all, all of this is for naught, and the people will have uh, spoken again. Uh, so, well, they'd it, have to repeal the the teacher raises. That's right. That's they'd have to repeal the the increase in the teacher salary. So just so people know, and only but wait a second, only if the teacher raise. Uh, bill was was put under a veto referendum so it's possible that the only thing that they could go get the veto referendum around would be the tax increase right that's what i mean yes and 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 so that the 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 pay raise would still be enacted but the education system in and of itself would be grossly underfunded at that point right you wouldn't be yeah it would be that then it would become an unfunded mandate you're right i i should say that it would have to repeal that i guess the next question is we've got about maybe five or six minutes left that we want to do this um I want to look forward a little bit to 2018's elections because in many ways this is what this is all about. I think OEA uh, has a, a big interest in this in terms of they've seen their membership growing. Uh, again, teacher, you, you made a good um, reference to the difference between teachers and OEA and there's an overlap, there's a Venn diagram there, but there are people who are not traditionally OEA folks who maybe are finding themselves aligned a little bit more uh, with that kind of group um, for for this effort. 2018 is going to be uh, really big. Later uh, this week, if I think about when this is publishing, will be campaign filing, Wednesday through Thursday. I'm sorry, Wednesday through Friday, 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 Friday the, yeah. the 11th, 12th, and 13th. Right. 
And so will there be challenges from the right on certain lawmakers who voted for tax revenue? Probably. Will there be Democrats challenging Republican lawmakers? Probably. Will there be uh, sort of hardline uh, progressive Democrats challenging uh, middle-of-the-road Democrats? Absolutely. So this could be really heating up to be a, a busy 2018. And then we haven't even gotten to the gubernatorial thing, but the good thing is we recorded a podcast about that earlier. So I want to play a clip real quick from MSNBC. Um, and this was a guy, I believe his name was Ray Sanders, and he was talking to a reporter for MSNBC and had this to say. This is Ray over here who teaches fifth grade. Ray, you told me you work two jobs just to make ends meet. Yes, ma'am. For the last four years, I've worked at a Brahms, I've worked at Subway Sandwich, and General Dollar Store. There's something wrong when you have a master's degree and you're ringing a cash register to help put your kid through college and pay for things like scouting. You're a Republican, Ray. You told me this is a Republican-led legislature yes, here. Yes, what is your message to, to lawmakers? There's nowhere to run and hide. This is bigger than party politics. For instance, maybe they would say, well, you're a Democrat. You're not going to vote for me anyway. I'm a Republican. There's midterm elections coming up. As I told you earlier, so help me if they put an R on a fence post and run it against one of these incumbents who don't fix this funding, I will vote for the fence post. Okay, so he, he referenced this fence post that he yeah. would be likely to with vote an for. With an R on it. With an R on it. He's mad about uh, the Republican-led legislature that hasn't done what he's wanted for so long. And so now he's looking for a fence post, but it better have an R on it as well. Um, sort of ironic, sort of amusing, but also sort of maybe ominous for Democrats because it doesn't sound like a guy like Mr. Uh, Sanders is uh, immediately switching over to their team. Yeah, I think, I, I, look, let's back up for just a second. The Democrats... Uh, House Democrats have believed that their path to winning seats has been this this entire strategy that we've seen unfolded: raise gross production tax, raise some other taxes, uh, get education funding up, you know, do some of those type of things. They believe that's their path to victory. Uh, but as you just played in this clip, uh, you know, it's still a very difficult state for Democrats to make a significant amount of gains in. Uh, we are a, a very conservative state. Uh, we are a state that. I think uh, it's been a several election cycles in which uh, any county has actually voted for a Democrat for president. So, you know, it, it's, it's a strange situation that we're in. I'll anecdotally kind of tell you uh, conversations that I've had with Republican lawmakers that, that I would tell you this is a little bit of how they feel right now. They feel like, uh, some of them feel like, that they have angered their base voter by raising taxes. They have angered a lot of their donor base, people that they traditionally count on to fundraise for these campaigns by raising taxes on them. And the, the result of this is that they're going to get a primary challenge that'll be very difficult. And then their reward is that they're going to get challenged in the general election by some of the education people who they angered their, their own base to go help. And so they feel like that they basically, uh, <laughs> when it's all said and done, everyone's just mad at them. And it's kind of interesting because there are there are people in circles that would say that is why you always don't forget who your base is, and that's why you always try to remember who your base is at all times. But I think next week's going to be fascinating. I think it's going to be fascinating watching who files for office, and I think it's going to be fascinating to see how many people draw opponents. 
I, I do too. I would I would second that. I, I not to, to to move away from that, but I think it'll also be fascinating to see how many teachers are back at the Capitol. Um, I think it'll be fascinating to see which school districts uh, cancel school next week. Um, there are a lot of smaller school districts that are back in school. Well, let's be um, let's be clear for a second. Yeah. The majority of school, school districts, districts are back have school. not that's never right. canceled. That, that's right. They never walked out. Well, there are 527 school districts. 512 this, or something 512, like that. 512 school um, districts in the state of Oklahoma. And, and I think about 120 something along those lines. Don't don't blast us on the numbers, but roughly, you know, at most uh, maybe a, a fourth. And we have a group of around 150 teachers who are marching 15 to 18 miles a day from Tulsa down the Turnpike to be here on Monday. So. You know, there they're going to be some teachers there, but how many are there going to be there? Well, and um, what's the and what's the result in terms of? Uh, there's a lot of questions. You know, what what may happen in terms of testing? Uh, there's federal testing that'll be the week of the ninth, and then uh, you know, is does that jeopardize funding? Um, you know, are have is anybody canceling athletic competitions? Um, I you know, there's a lot of and, and at what point do parents sort of think okay you know we need to get a resolve a a resolution to this because my senior is trying to graduate and get ready to go to college and at what point does the legislature say i guess we can't do enough and they quit trying well and i will tell you right now that uh, legislators uh, republican legislators in that building who feel like that they have gone out on a very far limb to help uh, um, uh, the teachers who have been subsequently beat up because they haven't done enough. Some of them feel a little betrayed. I think it's a good way to say it. There's a lot of there's a lot of the overwhelming majority of the protesters and people who have been up there have been gracious and uh, have had productive conversations with their legislators. But there is a uh, there is no question that there is an element that is occurring uh, inside the legislature of, you know what. Uh, we're never going to make them happy, and therefore maybe we should really start talking about some education reform measures, things like repealing the minimum salary schedule. Yeah, and, let them and deal Oklahoma. with their superintendents and their school boards. Is, yeah. is the is the word we're getting? <laughs> that and, would be. And, that and, would be. Yeah. Well, but look, very but, odd. Yeah, but but I, mean, I remember when the legislature repealed their own ability to raise tuition and fees for unit colleges and universities, and they gave it to the regents and the college presidents to 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 deal with and. And this situation kind of begins to feel like it's it's bending in that direction, where the legislature may say, "But we'll just let you all. This is a local issue anyway. Set um, your own yeah, pay scale. set your own pay scale, and that'll be up to the to the uh, to the superintendent and the um, um, and, and the uh, school board at local levels." I think there's another thing that's really interesting that we just we just got an email about. There's a News OK report about. Um, um, uh, Oklahoma City Mayor and gubernatorial candidate Mick Cornett last night commented that I think he's concerned that the teacher walkout strike, whatever you want to call it, that, that this is not the best way to handle it. And there's rumors that there's other folks at the Capitol who are actually walking with the teachers. Um, and, and so, you know, I, I think that some of this is, is just an example of the primary voters, the importance of the primary voters, in this upcoming election, to these people who stand for stand for who are going to stand for election in, in November of, of eighteen, and some of this has has really become solely about that that twenty to thirty percent of the primary vote voter in in each primary that um, wants 
a 5% gross production tax um, and the 20 to 30% in the primary that doesn't want any tax increases. And that's, that might be where we, where we wind this thing up actually. Yeah. Um, let's do our final takeaways of our, of the first couple days. Uh, maybe not in terms of the, the final policy and funding bills. Cause like I said, there's going to be a vote here, um, uh, after we record this, but before we release it, sorry about that listeners. Um, what's your, what's your takeaway this week from, from the Capitol? Uh, I think that the the legislature have backed themselves a little bit into a corner strategically, and I think that they have a very difficult time finding an exit strategy that makes everybody happy. What needs to happen is is that the teachers need to uh, let me rephrase this. What what the legislature needs to happen is is that the legislature needs the teachers to come out and say, we are Thanks. we are satisfied. With what we have so far, there's more fights to be done, but there are, there are going to be a time and a place at a later date to do this. Uh, remember now, my face. I'll be yeah, back. I'll be yeah. back. And remember me at the polls, that kind of a message. Uh, but I don't think anything is going to happen other than I think that the Senate is going to uh, likely pass a couple of other revenue measures that, are, that do not require uh, 75% uh, that will offset... What, we, what, what was part of this package, one of the things a part of this package was a hotel tax, in essence, that they are now taking, going to repeal and take out of it because that became very contentious. Supposedly. So, supposedly they're going to take that out. We'll see. Uh, but I believe they'll do that, and I believe that the, they will pass a couple of other measures to try to make up for that hotel tax. But I do not believe we are going to see another vote on the House or Senate to get 75%. I don't think that's going to happen You've at all. You've predicted that before. Yeah, I have predicted that before, <laughs> but I would be surprised. And the last thing I'll say is is that one of the other things that was going on this week was capital gains. Yeah. Capital gains, uh, uh, repeal the capital gains exemption in state law. I'm not sure that many people prior to this week understood what even that meant or how it even works, but it's become a, a political mantra uh, that the Democrats are trying to push in the House of Representatives. It's our understanding that that deal was cut in the House Republican Caucus, uh, that they would raise gross production tax uh, in lieu of doing the uh, repealing uh, the um, capital gains. Capital gains it's my understanding that that deal was cut in both caucuses. Yeah. So, and so I, that being said, I don't see we're going to. I don't think we're going to see capital gains repealed, but again, we will see. We'll see. Uh, what's my, your my, What's your takeaway? Well, my takeaway is yeah, I'll, I'll be really quick and simple about this. It's, it's the difference between the number 76 and 51. I, I think there's probably a number of Republican legislators who, if they had to go back and do this over again, would probably reconsider their thought around um, the being so hell-bent on 76 measures. I think they probably would have been more receptive and open to some 51 vote measures that um, would have brought in the necessary revenue to do a teacher pay raise that they felt was was appropriate and that uh, kept them more in line with their with their base vote. Um, I think there's there's probably some second guessing and some buyer's remorse at this point. Um, not not universally, but I think there's there's a good number of people who are scratching their head and wondering if that was the the right move and wondering how their voters are going to to accept them. The second takeaway I have is uh, something I alluded to earlier. Teachers in Oklahoma are extraordinarily creative, and they make some great signs. Um, I have been extraordinarily impressed with with some of the signs that I've seen and the creativity 
and actually the humor if you um, if you can try to find some humor in all of this and I think that's something that we should all really try to do uh, is is we're all Oklahomans we all want this state to do well and I would hope that we can at least take a, uh, a deep breath and um, enjoy some of the humor and the creativity that the teachers came up with and the signs that they made this last week. Pretty good. My last takeaway real quick is that I think uh, we all saw a handful of lawmakers maybe be a little rude with some teachers, and I think we all saw a handful of teachers be a little rude with some lawmakers, lawmakers but the majority of teachers were pleasant and uh, cordial and focused on the issues at hand, and the majority of lawmakers spent hours and hours and hours with lines out their doors doing the exact same thing. Yep. So I think that was a really interesting sight for me. Completely okay. Agree. Till we meet again, uh, like us, follow us, uh, share us, um, rate us, review us. Tell us what you think. Tell us what you think. Talk about issues. Um, and we will talk to you next time uh, and figure out how we got here or wherever we're going. <laughs> Thanks. How We Got Here is a presentation of FKG Consulting in association with Nondoc.com. Produced and edited by Bryce Holland. For more information, visit fkgconsulting.com and nondoc.com.